0: Hi there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian, he's been living here in Japan for over two decades now, and for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers and many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert... Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so for today's episode, uh, this is one of those conversations that you, our viewers and listeners, seem to like um, the most, or at least among the most. It's an introductory chat with a U.S. couple, first-time investors in Japan, who are looking to learn as much as they can about the intricacies of the property market here, how it's different from others that they may be more familiar with and so forth. So we touch upon a lot of the differences that make Japan's real estate arena unique. Um, What it means to buy a cheap, high cash flow property in Japan versus what it might mean in the US. What the world's fastest aging population and the large percentage of elderly tenants means for landlords the advantages and disadvantages of purchasing in large metropolitan centers versus satellite cities, prefectural capitals, places that are a bit more rural, the advantages and disadvantages of investing in newer, larger properties, exit strategies, resale options, and then we go even deeper and we do some live deal analysis of real potential deals, all of them on the cheaper side, so 30, 40, 50,000 US dollars. And finally, we talked some numbers and statistics related to tax, how tax works for non-residents, what are typical maintenance costs for a property portfolio, and what we, as your proxy here in Japan, would recommend to kick off your portfolio. What should be your very first purchase, all things considered. So. A really good in-depth conversation about all the things that first-time investors in Japan need to know, particularly if their budget is limited and they're looking for the safest and most profitable way to get started. So sit back, grab yourself a hot or cold drink, whatever the case may be, and enjoy the ride. Okay, so I scroll down through your email. You were looking at a property uh, 9MF001 in Kumamoto, was that right?
1: yeah, although um, once I like dug into the documents a little bit more, um, and I realized that it's not just limited to the ones that are listed on the website, we, you know we're sort of open to you know any number of different ones. Yep. Uh, so so yeah. the,
0: the budget is roughly this or can you go higher because that's probably on the cheapest end of mm-hmm. of the scale that we see then.
1: Yeah, we were looking um, for this first one to do a a 4 million yen about uh, about that range.
0: Okay. Um, Well, I mean, it's not going to buy you into Tokyo or Osaka. Maybe Fukuoka, Nagoya, Kobe, if we're lucky. Uh, Yokohama might be an option. Uh, Chiba City, Saitama sapoto maybe but the winters can be a little bit rough in sapoto so maintenance would be higher and vacancies can be longer if you happen to get a vacancy uh smack in the dead of winter kind of thing and mm-hmm. um, but otherwise yeah not not major major central locations in metro cities but otherwise four million suburban fukuoka maybe if we're lucky should get you into a few cities um kumamoto is not bad it's got high yield and high return but very little prospects of um, prices going up. Not that I would ever bank on that in Japan overall, but it's nice to have as potential. And so all the other places I've mentioned have probably got a better chance of um, gaining in value if and when the economy does well in Japan overall. Kumamoto, not so much. That's why they're still a lot cheaper there and why yield is also a little bit higher there, but um, that's because it doesn't go up. So, Do you have rough criteria in mind aside from the budget, like more safe and stable, more high cash flow oriented? Uh, well, give me a rough idea of what you're invested in or looking to invest in?
1: Yeah, I, I think we were going for more of the high cash flow. Okay, just to start out with. Um, yep. We have some we have two rentals in Ohio. Um, And they're sort of in that vein too, but they're very high risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's, you know, lots of problems in the, those neighborhoods. So it can be hard to place tenants sometimes. Tenant wise, Um, you mean? Okay. Yep. um, And just a lot of repairs. Like we had one that the, um, while it was vacant, it, the people broke in and stole the the copper piping. (laughs) and flooded i've uh, heard so, of that happening in the us yeah okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. so you know being able to have you know still some solid returns and not worry about that yeah. kind of thing would be would be great well that
0: that doesn't happen here that definitely we don't have um <laughs> there's no squatters or forced evictions or i mean we might occasionally sorry i'm working from home today so there'll be a cat or two oh uh, yeah we have our cats too yeah okay. <laughs> So that's not going to happen. There's no ghettos or crime labs. And if rent is late, um, the most we'd have to do if it's chronically late for a while, we'll just send a letter saying, please vacate the property and off they go kind of thing. It's not really a conflict-oriented market. Um, But you will get occasionally um, elderly people dying in a property um, or being hospitalized and just not coming back to the property because a lot of your population is going to be elderly not destitute, but near destitute pensioners and retirees and so forth. Mm-hmm. So people who either don't have kids or are estranged from their kids um, and are living on their own. And there's not really, I mean, aside from the local welfare office which you know, checks on them once in a while, there's not that many social connections in their lives. So they do tend to either die in hospital away from the unit or in the unit itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mostly covered by your insurance policy. So it's not a financial concern or not a huge one. You will need to maybe reduce the rent a little bit for the next tenant in line, but the insurance will compensate you for, um, oh, there he is. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's funny. Yeah. laughs> for, um, I've got this one here. He hasn't showed his face yet, but he's sitting right next oh, to me. <laughs> So cute. So um, insurance will cover you for most of it, as well as for one or two years of lower or missing rental income after somebody dies in the property. Um, but it's a hassle. I mean, that you know, there's an insurance uh, policy uh, compensation to apply for and then wait until that's approved, and they want to see photos of how you renovated and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, so cash flow is relatively high here. I'm not sure what you're used to uh, in the States, but here... So places like Kumamoto would be like that deal that you've looked at. So it could be kind of scratching the 7% if you're lucky mm-hmm. uh, before tax. This one was actually close to 8 That's pretty rare. Um, so that's net before tax, um, but it's not going to go, um, you can't raise the rent at the end of every tenancy like you probably do in most Western countries, I, th- I guess probably in the US as well. So because the economy has been in deflationary mode here for the better part of 25 years and only just reversed in the last few years, rents are still not going up. So we've got stagnant, stable, sometimes slightly declining rents and building maintenance does go up over time as the building gets older. So the percentage yield that you're purchasing at that you've got on paper at the time of purchase over time will tend to decline. Unless some economic miracle happens and everybody gets a higher salary and we can charge more rent, but that hasn't happened to date. So mm-hmm. yield will tend to drop over time. And after five, six, seven years, as long as you've been holding on to the property, if it goes a little bit too low for your um, comfort zone, then we just resell the property on your behalf. Okay. Um if the yield is still relatively high, we might have a customer who will take it off your hands. Otherwise we'll just do it on the open market. It's a very liquid market. So within a month or two, if it's priced right, it should go.
2: Um,
0: but yeah, I guess so the first step would be to aim. So if you want to go safe and stable and not have to worry too much about uh, longer vacancies, I'd probably try to steer clear to the bigger metro centers and maybe try to aim for about 6% if we can, 6% net before tax. If you're comfortable with that, if you want to aim for the highest possible cash flow, we can go for places like uh, Kumamoto and other prefectural capitals and satellite cities where prices are still low and yield will be higher when you purchase, but they tend not to hold that yield. They fluctuate more because vacancies can be longer because, um, occasionally you'd have to reduce the rent a little bit more between tenants because the building getting a little bit older or the city is getting a bit less popular. So safe and stable around 6% will probably not have too much of that. If you go for 7 7.5% like that Kumamoto unit, you'll start higher, but you'll probably have just a few more hands-on decisions to be made over time and the yield might fluctuate a bit more. Okay. So totally up to you. You aim us in the on. right uh, direction and we'll go for it. Yeah, we're trying to trying to figure that out.
1: Um, for people who you know start investing, do they normally go the more the, the higher yield with more variation, or do more people prefer the the lower but stable?
0: So that's why I was asking what you've got in other places. So you're saying that you've got stuff in the U.S. that's um, potentially higher yield but more of a headache.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: So maybe to to complement that, you're looking for something that's a bit more safe and stable and headache-free, I guess.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. the idea of 6% sounds good getting in. When we were talking, he said, what are you thinking? And I said, this being our first look into Japan, we definitely like to try something easier, more stable, a little bit lower on the price that then if we, you know, find that comfy, then we can also build on that in the future.
0: Okay. So, I mean, we'll send you samples maybe a little bit of both. So if we aim our search of up to, and, and that 4 million yen that you've mentioned, is that including purchase costs or just the listing price itself? Um,
2: what I, all would be included to get to total purchase cost? About how much... We're um, still <laughs> this... with US mortgages, but past that, I don't know what a closing cost or any other fees might look like.
0: Well, at this... At this price level, we have a fixed fee that's 5% of 5 million yen. So with us, you can't really get us to facilitate the deal for less than um, that minimum, which is 275,000 yen. Okay. The realtors charge, um, the formula works out to be 3% plus 60,000 yen plus tax. In reality, at properties like this one, it's going to be close to 5, 5.5%. Five okay. Um, legal and registration costs, um, usually again they fluctuate depending on the official evaluation of the property. Um, but probably somewhere between three to five or six percent purchase tax, which is a statement that you will get somewhere between six to 24 months after the purchase. That's going to be another fluctuates again, but between one and a half to two and a half percent. So we basically when you evaluate, when we evaluate deals for you, we basically assume a worst case um, scenario of slightly over 20% costs. Okay. So if I'm looking at a 4 million yen property, uh, what's the easiest way? I guess divided by 120 and then times hundred. So you're looking at a three to 3.3 million yen property.
2: hmm
0: um, so that's not going to get you into all of those cities that I've mentioned. Uh, it would have to be Kumamoto and smaller townships like that. So I think we could do maybe Nagoya, like, so like, Yokohama if we're lucky, but otherwise it'll have to be a satellite prefectural capital for this budget.
2: Nagoya and Yokohama definitely were on our potential list, Yeah, but I think we could go up a little bit if we needed to to get something.
1: I think we could do four million up to four million purchase price.
0: Okay. So
2: I think we could do that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we'll do our search based on that. And then that will probably just because of the price, Mm -hmm. that'll yield results that'll be both in suburban big city locations or in more central satellite city locations, like center of Kumamoto versus suburban Yokohama kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so you'll have samples of both. We can look at both and we can discuss, you know, the pros and cons of each and every one of those. Uh, once we have some um more concrete samples for it. let me actually, if you still got a few minutes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can bring some samples up on screen that we've just recently researched. Give me a second.
2: Great. Because
0: we are recording this and people tend to enjoy that as well.
2: So. <laughs>
0: It's a win-win. OK, so if you look at this Excel sheet, can you see it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that one, oh, sorry. No, that's last year's. So let me close that. Let me open this one. And you're probably not seeing my screen anymore, right? No. no. And how about now? Yes. yes. Yep. Okay. So these are fresh of the um, like last month. This is slightly over your budget. It's five point four, but that's that gets you into Osaka, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. um, six and a half, five point two, nine point eight, five point nine, six. Yeah. No, so nothing within your budget. Let me look at August. I'm just trying to find the last time we researched um, on the cheaper end of the scale. Give me a
2: second. It's okay. It's giving me a chance to do conversion in my head.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we keep seeing the exchange rate just get better and better. Um, in and that, our favor. That, that was part partly yeah. why I wanted to jump in
0: on this. This is not a bad time to. We've got a lot of customers who have been potential customers for a while, but then. As soon as they sign up with us, they can use us as their Japanese bank account, like de facto bank account. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them have been just joining or even customers, you know, existing customers. They haven't got a particular property that they want to purchase. But let's just transfer it to yen right now and we'll find something to buy later. Just, yeah. That's
2: awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, yes, I found some. Okay. So I will share the screen one last time with this file. Okay. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So, really, the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which, if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know. They're tiny, they're noisy fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you wanna give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc., you definitely wanna reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today. See how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emile's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. Okay. So this one, for example, Yokohama, you're seeing the screen, right? Yes. Yep. yep. So this is Yokohama 4.6 million. At the rates back then, it translated into a total, including worst case costs. We didn't know exactly at this point, but assuming worst case cost. Translated into forty-one thousand. I think now it's probably going to be cheaper than that because um, that was July, and it's only improved since then. So forty thousand, including costs or less. Um, Suburban Yokohama, but central. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: like quiet. I'll show you on the map. Give me a second. You know, to gain
2: more uh, familiarity with Yokohama.
0: <laughs> Yokohama, Japan's second biggest city. It's definitely not a bad spot, but um, it's very suburban. Are you seeing the Google Maps? No, you're probably not. Uh,
2: no, I was going to say that.
0: Yeah, I'm going to share. I'll just stop sharing them screen by screen, and I'll just share everything. I don't think I've got anything incriminating in there. Okay, so are you seeing the map now? Uh, now, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay. So, let me zoom out. So, Yokohama Central is here. Mm -hmm. This one is um, central ish. So, this is the nearest station from here to Yokohama Station. Is about three minutes by train, so central enough, but the area itself is quite quiet residential, suburban kind of. There's no so Yokohama generally around the port, three 4 station around the port, it's very city-ish, and the rest mm-hmm. of it is quite quiet, suburban, but still Japan's second biggest, second most popular city. So it's a good place to purchase in. And that one was yielding 5.4%. So just under 6. Price might be negotiable a little bit. For example, if we take it down to 4.4%, it will yield 5.7, right? It'll slowly creep up towards 6. The property itself is 1992. So again, slightly older building, which means that these fees that you see up here Um, will be increasing over time, right? So you can, if you imagine what happens in, say, five, six years down the track, let's say this goes up to 9,000 suddenly.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, It drops you by half a percent, 0.3%, like slowly creep towards the next nearest percentage point and then further down from that as it gets older. So... We have, that was a bit higher, that one a bit higher. And this one, 3.2 in Takasaki, which is, um, sorry, one of the uh, prefectural capitals um, in Gunma or one of the commerce centers up in Gunma Prefecture. Um, very close to the station itself, built 1993. So similar age, similar price, yielding about 7%. So that's the difference between okay. major cities and prefectural satellite capitals and so forth. Right. Um. Where's this one? This one is in Fukuoka and within your budget, which is rare in Fukuoka.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, near university campus, I think. Yeah, near Kyushu Sangyo Campus. So, uh, Kyushu Mai's train station, which is right next to one of the smaller campuses, but one of the better universities. So, I think this one mm-hmm. is. Um. um medical or the ladies' campus, or not, one of the sub-campuses, not the main one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was yielding 5.6. So again, bigger city, we're trying to get towards 6%, basically. And mm-hmm. um, this one is in Sendai, which is another uh, one of the bigger cities uh, in nor- north of Tokyo, uh, second lot north of Tokyo. Um, Kind of blue color-ish, but not a bad town. Mm-hmm. And that one, 6%. If we can negotiate okay. it a bit, maybe a bit more than that. Um, Fukuoka again. Oh, no, this is the same one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Looks like the same one. And, and there's Kumamoto again. Lower price, 2.5-ish, 5.2. So obviously, if we're going out to satellite city's prefectural capital we'd want to get the yield higher than that otherwise it's not worth the risk for us to not stay in a bigger city so mm-hmm. with this one i'd probably take this one off the list if i was working with you on which one to buy and maybe i mean you can't negotiate it much nobody will sell it for less than 2 million i guess so maybe 2.2 we could potentially get the yield up to six percent, but we don't need to go to Kumamoto for that. So I'd probably go to I'd probably stay more central. And then this one, which is Fukuoka City again, 4.7. Um, but one of the best locations, resident most popular residential locations in the city. So yeah. this is the type of stuff that you can get for this kind of budget, and this is what we'll be going through with you once we supply you with recent samples. And then you um, choose which one to go for, and then we start due diligence and so forth.
2: Sounds good. Great.
1: Um, awesome. In, is there sort of like in the overall price tiers, is there a level where the returns really jump up? Or is it sort of straight, through, like similar returns
0: throughout the different price levels? Um, they go down, they don't jump up. So the bigger and newer, the bigger and newer the property is, the higher the price will go. Um, but rent, although rent is obviously higher, it's not, doesn't rise quite as sharply. So a property, a bigger, newer property might cost double or triple the price, but rent is going to be just times 1.5, the -hmm. the
1: the smaller
0: one. So you're going to be getting, what do you want? You're going to be getting lower yields for it. Um, so it's more safe, it's safer and stabler because your tenant profile is going to be a higher level professional or a young couple or, or an older couple that have the means to, to rent a high, a bigger place. So that will definitely, um, be more stable in the sense that you'll have longer tenancies, shorter vacancies and people that take better care of the apartment, but yield will be significantly lower. So you're talking about four to 5% at best. Um, in most cities, sometimes we get lucky with something older, suburban, family-sized. Um, in one of the cities that we're just looking for, just higher yield properties in, um, so that might we might occasionally come across one that's still higher yield, even though it's family-sized. But that'll be over the four million yen budget, I would say, in most places.
2: Got it. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this
0: is
1: exciting. Um, for the taxes, is it 20% for non-residents? Is that, I've, we're seeing something about that?
0: Taxes as in uh, income tax, uh, capital gains tax? Uh, which be... on
1: the, yeah, the on the income of it?
0: Uh, no, income, you're charged just like a Japanese person would be charged. So at, if you own, say, one or two of these smaller properties, you're probably going to be under the reporting threshold altogether. So it starts at, um, you need to make a net annual income of 485,000 yen. So let's call it 4,200 US
2: okay.
0: uh, per year okay. in net income after you factored in all of your purchase costs and running costs. Um, you're, not, you're going to be under the reporting threshold if you own one or two. And from mm-hmm. then on, you're charged like any Japanese resident. So okay. beyond that point, it goes to 5%. Once you reach about twenty dollars or $15,000 a year, it goes to 10% beyond that. It's, it's pretty low on the income tax. Um, if you don't file your tax statements in Japan, though, you're supposed to, um, whoever is paying you rent or whoever's buying property for you, whoever's giving you any kind of income in Japan is supposed to withhold 10% of your tax until you settle your taxes and then you get credited back for that.
1: Maybe that was it. Got it. Okay. Got it.
2: Um,
0: that's the only thing that's different to non-residents. If you sell a property at a profit, you want to do that after five years because um, before that capital gains tax is doubled. So instead of 20%, it'll be 40% on the profit from the sale. And But that's the same to Japanese people as well. That's just to curb speculation and flipping and so forth. Right. Great.
1: Awesome. Um, so how in these stable properties, say like a 7% uh, or 6%, and that after everything, how? What sort of is that like? Natural variation in the percent yield uh, over in the time, market? kind of thing. You mean as the property
0: gets older? Yeah. Um, it's hard to average because you could. I mean, you could be fine for five, six, seven years after purchase, and then you could um, have a tenant move out the day after you purchase, and you have to renovate the place and the next tenant in line is paying less. So, I mean, it'll stabilize over time if you own a bunch of properties over a number of years. But if you're going to be owning one or two, just take every percentage that I quote at you maybe with a grain of salt because you could diverge with a small sample size. Um, I would say about half a percent a year on average. Okay. so maybe after a quarter to half a percent so maybe after four years you'll be one and a half two percent lower okay
2: um,
0: and and then you could try to sell at the same price so what you've gained in those four or five years is going to be pure profit if something miraculously beautiful happens in japan maybe you'll be selling it at a profit like for example if you bought in central fukuoka or central nagoya uh or central tokyo osaka um 10 years ago now you would have almost doubled the price so it does happen in japan as well but Mm -hmm. that's not a strategy to bank on but ideally what most of our customers do is they hold them for let's say five to eight years depending on how how high the yield remains and then they resell them and reinvest in something a bit younger and more stable again okay that makes sense great okay so Any further info I can get? So that one that you looked at, sorry, 9MF001, that was the Komamoto one was actually already sold. The one that I've just shared my screen and showed you with in July are probably also already sold. They go very quickly here.
2: Um,
0: But Natalia, who was CC'd on all of our correspondence can research uh, with that limit in mind, with 4 million yen in mind, and then show you um, the samples that can come up in different cities based on that budget. And then if and when you want to start submitting offers or for us to do diligence or contact the sellers or agents or anything, just let us know and we'll kick off the engagement process. Perfect. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So mm-hmm. thank you for allowing us to record and um, let Natalia or me know what your criteria is. If it's anything beyond the budget, like you know that you want to be closer to this city or that city, uh, let us know and we'll, um, we'll throw in a couple of hours research for you and we'll take it from there. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank, thank, you all so right. much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank
2: Thanks
0: you. Have a good one. Bye bye. So, there you have it. Yes, Japan definitely has plenty of cheap, relatively high yield investment properties to choose from. But there are also some considerations and information that first time investors should be aware of. And I think that we've covered many of them in this conversation. Hope you found some value in it. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section or wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you.